we have to defeat the Mormons. All of us, if you're listening to this, I need you to join my cause in defeating the Mormons. Not in general, not all Mormons everywhere. I'm not asking for some sort of religious war here, just in the podcasting world. So this is the fifth episode of the Taylor Johnson podcast. And on iTunes, in the Apple store, where you can look at podcasts, there's an area where you can look at the top podcasts, the most popular podcasts ever, or the most popular podcasts in a certain category. There is a religious and spirituality category. That is where I have put this podcast. And I know that I'm not going to end up on the top of that chart. There's all sorts of very, very famous pastors whose sermons are podcasts on that chart. I'm not crazy. I know I'm not going to end up there. But there's also an area in the store for each specific section, each category, where they highlight some new shows. And I don't know how long it takes for them to realize that there is a new, new show to maybe put that in there and highlight that show as well. But I've been looking, I've been seeing, oh, maybe, maybe this week, maybe this week they might kind of slip me in there. I know that I don't have the largest following, but I'm sure I have bigger followings than some of these shows. And I've been looking and I've been checking it out and I have been realizing more and more that the Mormon church is trying to take over the podcast world. And I don't mean just like Mormons. I don't mean just like random people who identify themselves as Mormons. No, I mean I mean that there are a ton of podcasts where when you look at who is the creator of this podcast, it is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That they, the church, as an entity, is making podcasts. Like The Daily, or The First Vision, a Joseph Smith Papers podcast, or Saints, uh, or Latter-day Saint Women, or Extreme Genes, what? <laughs> Extreme Genes Family History Radio, or General Conference Podcast. Um, what else they got? They've got Friend. They just got a podcast called Friend. They've got so many. They have so many podcasts, and it's everywhere. It's all over the category. It's all over the new shows, and it's starting to show up in the top shows altogether. They're taking over. And this has nothing to do with them personally. This has nothing to do with their beliefs or who they are or the church in general, but it just blows my mind that the Mormon church, no, there's no like the Baptist church or like the Christian church or, you know, like there's no other like giant entity that is trying to shove out all, there's not like the Buddhists. Oh, look in all the shows that the Buddhists have. No, there's no one else who's doing this except for the Mormons. And I, I know I'm not going to defeat all of them, but I just would like my podcast to beat one of them. I would like to have my podcast be more popular than at least one Mormon podcast. And I know that I cannot do it alone. And I know that you and I, us together, you who are listening to this, I, we cannot do this alone. We need to get other people to join our team, to join our cause to see that this is a good and fruitful endeavor to beat the Mormon podcasting empire. I know I'm an underdog. I'm no, I, I know I'm a complete nobody here, 
Sometimes when I go do shows and I perform places, people like to jokingly say that I'm famous. I know that I'm not. I'm not actually famous. This is a true underdog story of one little podcast against the entire Mormon church podcasting army. But I think that we can do it. This is the Taylor Johnson podcast, a podcast that is better than the Mormon church. No, I don't mean that. I don't. Well, I mean, I mean, like they're better than I, look, I haven't even listened to one of them. I don't want to give them a listen. I don't want to add to their numbers, but I'm assuming that my podcast is at least better than several of them. This is the fifth episode of the podcast. I'm Taylor Johnson. This is my podcast. I'm a stand-up comedian, author, speaker. Um, I'm funny, hopefully. I try to make people laugh and then also talk about more serious topics. Except this episode is going to be a little bit different. I mean, the structure will still be the same. But in the interview today, it's not going to be as heavy as a lot of the other episodes have been in the past. This is a more lighthearted, fun interview that I have with my friend Isaac Gutierrez. I don't know if this transition is going as well as I thought. I think, I feel like I'm transitioning way too fast. I moved on from the Mormon thing way too quickly, but you know what, whatever. We're done talking about that. Um, we'll talk more about it later. Uh, let's defeat them. Anyways, uh, this episode, a little bit more lighthearted. Usually we'd have interviews on uh, topics dealing with vulnerability. I guess a little bit, in a way this does. It deals with me being a little bit vulnerable, but I'm talking to my friend, Isaac Gutierrez. Isaac has been a friend of mine for a long time. There was actually a season where he traveled with me a lot. As I uh, went around the country performing and speaking and doing stand-up at uh, churches, conferences, Isaac would travel with me. It started off with a few different places around Dallas, but then it became he would come along with me on longer trips so I wouldn't have to be alone and go crazy. Because if I would spend at least like a week, week and a half, two weeks on the road by myself, I started to lose it. So it was nice having him to kind of share the driving we would um, go back to the hotel after a show and we'd get to talk about it and I would get to unpack everything that happened, especially like some shows, something weird might happen or maybe, I don't know, something, someone says something weird to me or maybe I like I bomb, like I just really bomb real hard and I would get to like talk to him about it and joke with him about it and I would get to, you know, it, just, it was just nice to unpack the night and to have somebody along the way with you who... You had to like share that experience with. It was always awesome having Isaac travel with me. But now Isaac is doing something a little bit different, and that is what I wanted to talk to him about. And again, it's not going to be uh, around the same lines as some of the other conversations we had. Not as much ministry focused, not as much vulnerability focused, or mental health but instead, it's going to have a little bit more to do with uh, creativity and pursuing something that you want to create on your own, kind of like what I'm trying to do with stand-up or with this podcast or what Isaac has done with his thing, but more also my own vulnerability and my own insecurity that I deal with that leads me to be jealous of a certain ability that Isaac has. And that is the main thing I wanted to talk to him about in this conversation is this thing that he is able to do that I wish I was better at in the creative pursuit. 
And so this is my conversation that I had with my friend Isaac. Um, can you tell everybody what, what it is that you do? It's not a job. It feels, it, it does it feels bad to call it a hobby. I don't want to call it that. What is the thing that you have? Tell them, Isaac. What do I do? I have a site that, <laughs> oh. that, um, you have a website. I have a website that, uh, where I interview bands that I like, or that I, I, prom- I've premiered songs. Oh, I premiered music videos. And how did it start? How did this website start? It's a music blog. It's called Born Loser. I didn't ask that. I didn't want to. Nope. Don't tell people that. Follow me on. I'm going to block that part out. No one um, can. No free promotion. If Born Loser wants to sponsor this, they can. Um, I, you know what? It started because I wanted to sell T-shirts. That's what it was. Because I was, well, I don't know why I was drawing. I think I realized like, oh, I've been really drawn since like middle school. So I was drawing and I drew a design and you're like, hey, you should put that on a T-shirt. And like that looked cool, so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna draw up a few more." So yeah, so I wanted to sell those T-shirts, and so I was like, "I'll just make my own site." I don't know why. I don't know why that was a dumb move. If I was just trying to sell T-shirts, <laughs> yeah, I, sell one type of T-shirt, and you're like, "I'll I make had, a whole website for this." Oh yeah, it was only one type. I think it's because I made hats and stickers too. So I was like, "I'm just gonna sell this." And then, hey man, hey man! Before we get to that, do you remember uh, the one time you set up merch? Oh <laughs> yeah, the show that I did. And I was hey like, guys, <laughs> buy merch. Like even if it's like a one dollar sticker or something, buy merch because because one time I did a young adult service and I was going to do stand up at it, so I set up my merch table. I was like, Isaac, dude, you should set up your merch. You have your t shirts. You have your stickers. You should set up next to me. Hey man, that was not my crowd. Those were little that church wasn't kids. My crowd either. I bombed pretty hard. But do you remember the thing that I did to you before uh, the show? <laughs> this dude. So we, we were at the merch table. We were at the merch table, and you kept talking about how you needed a poop, and then you ripped the worst part. <laughs> like this dude's rotting from the inside out. <laughs> But he like farted and it was the worst fart and he just left. It lingered. It was staying. It was taking up residency where I was standing and I had to get out of there. And then he left and then this girl comes up trying to look at the merch. Because you're stuck at the merch table. You got to sell that merch. Because I'm at the merch table and I just saw it hit her. Like she was asking me a question. She was like... And then more people came up and it just looked like I had ripped the worst fart because he had left. I'm so sorry. And I did not know what to do because if I would have left, it still would have looked like it was me. (laughs) If I stayed there, it looked like it was me. So I just (laughs) went back behind the table and pretended to organize stuff or something. Uh, So sorry. Sorry to digress. But um, so you create this website. You're trying to sell these T-shirts. Um. Yeah. So then, yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to make social media for this, I guess. Cause I was trying to make it like a brand, which is, I don't know why. Like now it sounds very dumb, but in my mind I was like, all right, I can make this a brand and have like, cause I, I had seen like, sh- that's whenever streetwear brands were like, oh, like have you heard of this tiny brand? And people right. were just, people were just like spending money on like cool designs basically to have like a unique t-shirt. So I was like, I'll just market it as a streetwear brand. And then this band that I like 
Um, my name is Ian. Great band. Um, they have a great song. They, they, Best case scenario, we die at the same time. So they followed me on uh, Instagram, and I was super excited because like, oh, I know who you guys are. But they have um, like their own like little clothing brand type thing. Um, and then from there, they DM'd me, and they're like, hey, I really like your design, which I, I was like, that's really cool, because they also do art. So they also do art, and I was like so excited. I was like, oh, man, thank you so much. And like we should... They said we should collaborate on a shirt sometime. I was like, that would be really cool. So they reached out to me and I asked them like, oh, can we do an interview? And they were like, yes. And then I also started looking for like smaller, like Dallas area artists to interview. So that's just kind of how it started. Like, oh, I can do this kind of on the side and like while I make more merch. And then it just ended up being a music site instead of instead of just selling merch. So you're starting to reach out to bands. Um, not a lot of traction at first, but then eventually you start to get a few interviews in and then that starts to grow. And then your follower, like your following starts to grow because every time that you release an interview, that band would retweet it and then you would get a bunch of traffic to the site. And I think it's so cool that then bands that like ignored you or didn't respond at first started to reach out to you and like, hey, could we do an interview, right? Like, that started to happen, right? Yeah. So, like, bands that I had reached out to, like, a year or two, like, you know, before that would, like, say, hey, like, we'd like to do an interview. And they'd do submissions, like, to, to my email and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I forgive you <laughs> because Jesus Christ tells me to forgive. Wow, 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 wow. Can you talk a little bit about your interview style? This it's, is dumb. It's very dumb. <laughs> um, because... I mean, for written interviews, they're boring to read sometimes because they're always the same questions. So, like, like it, what are what are the most common questions you see? Because you, every time that you do an interview with someone, you try to look up a lot of other interviews with them. Yeah. So, like, what what are the worst ones? The most common questions were, um, where do you get your band name from? And like, they've answered that question a thousand times. Um, what is your writing process like? Like, that's kind of hard. Like, I don't know. It, you know, you ask anyone what they do and like, oh, what's your process? It's like, I don't know. I just, I just do it, you know? Like, I, I don't know. And um, who are your musical inspirations? Which I feel like there is a way to ask that, but. But if you see, if you can find the answer a million other places, yeah. you'd think that you want your interview to be a little bit more unique and yours are very unique. Because I ask dumb questions. I start off with like 10 dumb questions. Uh, and some of them really go for the questions and like have fun with it and yeah. other people do not. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to look at good questions. You always ask people about Ray Romano. You, yeah. You, I haven't lately because. No. Well, you, you asked, uh, I think you asked Roar. You asked Roar, can you write a song about Ray Romano? Yeah, so I love Ray Romano, and I think he's a great actor, an amazing comedian, and an even better father. Um, he raised two twin boys. Okay, all right, okay. The both of them work in the entertainment industry. No, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Just think, dumb things that I get obsessed with, or dumb things that I like, I'll ask them questions. I ask for the worst life advice. If my friends are doing something or going through something or they like the band, then you ask this one band, which cereal mascot is the cutest. One guy in the band was like, I don't know my cereal mascots well enough. And the other guy was like, I never think of the cereal as being cute. They're all kind of annoying to be honest. 
Come on, man. Have fun with the question. I know who that is. I know. I, I immediately knew what band that was. Hey, which serial mascot do you think is the cutest? Me? Yeah. Not cutest, but oddest, Tony the Tiger. Okay. All right. That's weird that you changed <laughs> what the question is just so you can talk about him. I mean, I think Tony the Tiger is a handsome man. He's athletic. He's earned his stripes. You asked the Aqua Dolls, in what ways has Ray Romano helped mold you into the person that you are today? <laughs> Uh, Jackie said, Ray Romano has basically done everything to mold me into who I am today. Ray Romano is life. Melissa said, God bless him for voicing Manny in Ice Age. Legend. Your next question is Garfield 2020? <laughs> the, I love Garfield. I love Bill Murray. Bill Murray's Garfield. You said, what are your questions? This is so funny to me because I feel like there is like a level of like reverence or respect in interviews with bands or like a level of fear. Like you don't want to screw this up. And I think what is so funny about what you do is you do not care. This isn't your job. You're not trying to pursue this to become your job. You do not. Yes, give, I am. Oh, well, you're yikes. You just like, don't give a rip. So you asked who would win in a fight, a cat sized president Garfield or a president sized Garfield, the cat. <laughs> You ask the dumb, but then you do ask real questions after yeah, that. I, I the first 10 or so are stupid. And then you ask real questions because like, I figure that they get emails all the time and like doing an interview and answering the same questions gets so boring. You will also, yeah, you will also put questions about your friends and not <laughs> warn your friend that it happened. Like you won't even say to me, Hey, go look at the interview I just did with Puma blue. So I won't look at it for a couple of weeks and then I'll look it up and I'll see that you asked a, a random musician. My friend Taylor is running a marathon in January and I think he's crazy. What is the worst advice that you can give him? It doesn't have to be about the marathon. And then he just says, run the marathon. But like you, you asked um, Jetty Bones uh, about like me traveling and living in my van and doing house shows. You will always bring me up. You'll ask about you growing a mustache. You do not give a rip. And I think it makes your interview. So how, how are you not scared? I ain't scared of anything, man. I was born without fear. <laughs> No, but for real, like how, like, why do you think that you're able to do this? I don't know. <laughs> like don't you're know. a troll. You troll these bands that you like, like you look up to some of these bands. Yep. Like some of the, the first band that we ever did an interview with, Samia, you were terrified of Ooh, doing that interview. I'm so nervous. That's the only one where I've like freaked out. You were so scared because so for a long time you were just doing written interviews and then you were like, oh, it'd be cool to do. Uh, filmed videos, fil filmed videos. Why y'all saying yes? I didn't think anybody would say yes. <laughs> but yeah, you started to reach out to bands who were going to be in Dallas. I have my camera. I have my audio equipment. And we would go and start to do these video interviews. And Samia, you were terrified. of That was the first one. You were also in love with her. Yeah, that's why I was scared. Because this was your chance to find love. I just had a huge crush on her. She's really talented. But even then, like even someone. crushes on talent. Like if you're talented. I'm in love. Okay, all Cher? right. Cher? What? <laughs> I'm in love with Cher. <laughs> why, is that, why is that the first person you mentioned? Why are the two crushes you've talked about, Tony the Tiger and Cher? <laughs> I love The perfect couple. <laughs> They're my parents. <laughs> how, how are you not, like, even though you were nervous, you still ask the stupidest questions? Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. 
I don't know. Because I, I like I get nervous. I get nervous for you because you'll tell me the <laughs> questions that you're gonna ask, and I'm like, hey man, that's too stupid. That's too dumb. But like you have a level of fearlessness when it comes to being stupid in front of people that I am jealous of completely because I get so embarrassed for other people and for myself so easily. How are you able to do this? Why do you ask people the dumbest questions? You asked last night when we when you interviewed Shady Bug, Hannah from Shady Bug, you asked why did Macaulay Culkin eat? <laughs> I forgot. You asked, why did Macaulay Culkin eat those bees? Which is a reference to my girl, where Macaulay Culkin is allergic to bees and he dies because he gets stung by a bee. You do not set up any sort of background. All you do is say to her, hey, why did Macaulay Culkin eat those bees? Which is the dumbest joke just for you, not for anyone else. People who watch the interview later, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand what the joke is. Why did he just say Macaulay Culkin eats bees? But like you did not care and you asked the question and I was so nervous. Well, how can I be more like you? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just think it's funny. <laughs> I think. But I think stuff is funny, but I'm not brave enough to actually do it. I don't know. I think. I didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> like I didn't have anything else. You don't to, give yourself a backup a backup. Yeah. I don't, they, yeah. I think that's it. Like I don't give myself a backup. Like these are my notes. Like <laughs> these are my notes. And this is like, if I don't say this, then like, that's just a blank space. And also I just think it's funny. Like I, I like making myself laugh. Like I'll be driving and like, I'll tell myself a joke and I'll just crack up. So hard. really I'm my own best friend. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. It's perfect. I, I don't know. I just like making myself laugh. Even like, like you mentioned, like I'll say something and like, Oh, those are just the best, the best jokes or like, um, like you said, I would like say something in an interview, like, making fun of a friend or like something that only a friend would see. And whenever they see it, it's so much more gratifying. If they're like, if I don't tell them, but like, Oh, I just read this random thing about myself. Like weeks later, I think that's the funniest thing. I don't know. Just, just for the jokes. man. it's just for fun. I'm just, I feel like I'm very jealous of that ability because I feel like, I feel like I used to have that a lot more when I was a kid. I don't know what happened to me. That I used to be much like sillier and crazier. And then I got so embarrassed by how I just started to perceive that like I was annoying. And I think I like tried to kill that part of me that was silly in public. And now when I see other people who are silly in public, I can't handle it. I don't know. There's something in my brain that like gets, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I see that in you that like, you you are like fearless when it comes to like doing dumb stuff just to make yourself laugh because I'm afraid of what other people are going to think. I think I learned that from Seth now that I'm thinking about it because he would just do dumb stuff like just to make himself laugh. Yeah. And I remember having a moment like this is fun, like doing something just for myself, like the, the, like having an inside joke with myself basically or like just doing something dumb but it's just to make myself laugh. Like the joke is for me, even if nobody else gets here, nobody else likes it. Or even you say, well, this is as doesn't have to do with Seth, but like, um, 
being annoying, I think is hilarious. <laughs> like I'm not afraid to be annoying because I think it's really funny. There's uh, like very um, infamous stories about Stephen Colbert when he first started in comedy that he, and I don't know like how accurate these are or if it's just kind of become like legend about him, but he would like force himself to do dumb things in public to try to kill the part of his brain that gets embarrassed. So like he would be in Chicago, in downtown, and he has to walk across the street, you know, on a crosswalk, and he would just make himself walk really slow because he knew it's going to make people mad. People are going to be staring at him. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but like, no, just force yourself to do that. Feel how bad this feels and like become desensitized to it or go in an elevator by yourself, a crowded elevator where you don't know anybody else and just start singing loudly just to force yourself to no longer have any fear about embarrassing yourself in front of other people. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like he's incredible at it now. Like he has done so many things that I would be terrified of doing. And I don't know. I'm just jealous of people who are able to fight through that because I, I feel like I can't, I want to be better at it. Uh, I feel like another thing, uh, just thinking about it right now. I don't think that people hate me. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no, that's the thing. I was saying last night. I feel like uh, my default is that uh, no one wants to be around me. I, I obviously I can tell when like someone's annoyed by me, but I, I don't know. I just don't care. Man, I it, want to I not feel like care. If I'm not being a jerk about it, like obviously if someone's annoyed, but I'm like being disruptive at like a funeral, then yeah, obviously I'm not going to do that. But if it's like a setting, so if you're you're confident in your own self awareness to know if you are actually being disrespectfully annoying, or if someone just doesn't like you. Yeah. So hmm. I I think that's it too. Like if I don't <laughs> like. I have to value value your opinion for it to like affect me. And like, there's not enough people like, like if it's just a stranger and like, yeah, I'm being annoying, but I'm not being like disrespectful. And I'm not like, you're just being yourself. Yeah. Like I'm not specifically bothering that person. Like oh, I'm going to target this person, like dance around them, you know, be stupid. But like, if I'm just like making jokes and like, they think that the jokes are stupid, like I don't care who you are, you know, Man. I don't care about your opinion, but I'm if so it was jealous, if it was like someone that I, if I was doing something that was important to me and it was like someone that I respected, Abraham Lincoln, Tony, the tiger share. Yeah. I don't know. Like I have to care about your opinion for it to affect me. I have to care about you as a person for it to affect me. So like, I don't know if you don't like me or if you think that I'm annoying, then like, I don't care. You're boring. Like you're boring to me that, you know? Oh, wow. So I don't know. See, I'm like, I guess I'm like trapped in this paradox because I know that like a lot of what I do for me to be successful, I need people to like me, but me needing people to like me does not make me likable. It does not, it does not allow me to take the risks that I would need to take in order to grow and be better at what I do. And if I'm better at what I do, more people will probably like me. Like me not caring what people think will probably lead to more people liking me. But I can't bring myself to do it because I'm terrified. I think if I like it, and if I think, like for me, it's like if I think it's funny, then like that's good enough for me. Like that's it, I'm doing this for me. More than anything, even with like the dumb questions that I ask with no context, like I'm doing this for me and I think if I'm happy with it and if I think it's funny, if I'm enjoying it, 
even the videos, like the way that I edit them are like just me being stupid. But like, if I think it's funny and like, okay, I mean, obviously I do care what people think, especially with videos because I don't know what I'm doing. I think to, like, I don't know what I'm doing with right. that. So like, Oh, is the editing? Okay. Is this too long, too short? Like stuff like that. But like content wise, like you're, you're being yourself, like you're being yourself in the videos, you're being yourself in the interviews. And I feel like that's so impressive. Like that's what I try to tell people sometimes is like who I am on stage or I want to be on stage as close to who I am when I'm hanging out with my closest friends. That is the most me version of me where I'm like silly, but I can have serious conversations. And like, I feel like I'm my funniest or quickest when I'm with my closest friends. So that's who I want to be on stage. And I feel like you in these interviews with complete strangers and some of these strangers who you really love and look up to, you have found a way to be the same person that you are when you're texting me and you're trolling me with jokes that are just as dumb as Macaulay Culkin ate a bunch of bees. And I feel like that's very impressive that you're able to be yourself, like the version of you that I think is the most, I don't know, fearless. But you're able to do that with strangers. I feel like that's what we should all be doing. Because we all know, man, I was looking at Facebook and pastors have been sharing. And like, it's weird now. We're old enough that like people who we went to college with are now becoming senior pastors and lead pastors at churches. And they're preaching on Sunday mornings and they're uploading videos, like excerpts from their sermons on Facebook, and I was watching this guy's video and the way that he was talking on stage, I was like, I've never heard him talk like that. Like the word choices, it just feels like a sermon. It doesn't feel like he, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like him at all. And I would rather someone be exactly who they are off stage in a conversation that you're having with them, be that person on stage. And obviously you polish it, you, you know, it's more worked out, but that's, that should be the goal, right? Just to be a hundred percent of yourself. All right. I got to work on being more fearless. I'm too scared of people. You should listen to Taylor Swift's album. Which one? Red. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't say fearless through your curveball. Lesson number one. Let's end on this. Can you talk a little bit about Nardwar and Nardwar's influence on you? The biggest lesson that you learned from Nardwar? Well, I feel like a lot of people listening to this don't know who Nardwar is. Who is Nardwar? <clears throat> Nardwar is this guy from uh, Vancouver, Vancouver, Canada. Canada. He's, I think it's still his college radio station. Oh, but wow. He started out working for his college radio station and he would do interviews. But he's known for like doing the craziest interviews, like knowing every little detail. Like, oh, your friend uh, Samantha from uh, Miss Miss Shelby, <laughs> Miss Shelby's uh, English class, uh, tapped on the desk, and you got this beat for like your song, and you're like, what the heck? How do you know my friend Samantha? So like, he'll just yeah, like, oh, they'll be like. Tell us about Taco Nightmare. And they're like, whoa, yeah. how'd you know about Taco Nightmare? That's the first song I ever recorded in fourth grade. Whoa. Yeah. So he just like knows all these crazy facts about these artists like beforehand. And like even like I've seen interviews where like even the artists don't know what he's talking about for like those are the best. They don't know what he's talking about for like 30 seconds. And they're like, what? Oh, and like you just see the memory like rush back to their Or he always like, brings them gifts and like yeah. really rare albums or other things that are like 
references to things in their life. Yeah. So he, he's just a really good interviewer. And I feel like there's not a, anyone like him, at least on YouTube. No. Yeah. That like where you actually enjoy watching the entire interview. So he's really good at interviewing. And he did a TED talk a few years ago. It might have been a TEDx talk. No, nah, he got a TED talk. Are you sure? He's smart. No. I think it was TEDx, which like, I mean, it's still a great talk, but it's still the same thing. No, it's not. TEDx is not as prestigious, but with Nardwar, it was wonderful. Sorry. Oh, did, sorry. He, I was thinking about myself. I got a TED talk. Oh, this is a TED talk, right? No, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so he did a TEDx talk and he was talking and then I think it was titled Just Ask and Basically, just ask. Like, you don't lose anything with asking. You don't lose anything with asking a random artist that you really like for an interview, even, you know, no matter how big they are. So he shared the story, I think, of how he interviewed Nirvana. And and then he, like, ended up hiding, like, in a stall, like a bathroom stall at the venue for, like, hours um, just so he could interview Kurt Cobain. It, it was just to ask him, right? Or like just to ask for the interview? I think so. I, because he had, I guess not emailed. He had talked to Courtney Love like before. I think he had done an interview with her. And then he was like, hey, is there any way I can interview Kurt? And she's like, yeah, I mean, and but like it wouldn't go through and they wouldn't let him in the venue. So like he did what he had to do. And like that's his thing is like, just ask. Like you don't lose anything with asking. And I think we were talking about this earlier. Like I would just ask one band at a time, like, Hey, do you want to do this interview? And like, I would, I don't know. It would suck whenever like I had like a favorite band and they would just not reply. Um, I don't know. I think part of me learned to not take it so personally, but also like I just started asking bigger bands and like they would reply. I was like, what the heck? So like, I just learned like, Hey, just go for it. Like, you don't, Hey, y'all stop emailing these bands. These are my bands. (laughs) But you're also really good at finding bands before anybody else. Like you find bands right before they kind of start to blow up. Yeah. Which is very cool. But then, yeah, I mean, we, we have gotten to go, I don't know. We're, we get press passes. We get press. Okay. That's crazy. See, okay. We're nobody. <laughs> I know. But you just like ask and then we get to go to a show for free and we get to interview these bands. You got me. You let me interview one of my favorite bands. I get to interview the, the, the Beatles. I got to interview all four of the Beatles. No, you let me, you let me have this interview. You just ask, Hey, you're going to be in Dallas. Could we do this interview? And then they said yes. And you let me do it. And I was terrified but like i don't know yeah all you did you just asked yeah you listen to nardwar and i think it's easier now that like i have a little bit more of a following for people to like just check it out and be like okay or now that i even have more content for people to check out so i think that's what's helped me out a lot is um finding bat bags hey bagby if you listen to this i love you please marry me um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Part of me wants to leave that in so bad. I'd leave it in. No, I can't. Hey, Bagby, if you're <laughs> listening to this. Hey, no. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hey, Meredith Bagby. Okay, this you got to clarify because there are 30,000 of them. Hey, if you're not Meredith Bagby, stop listening right now and skip forward like 10 seconds. Hey, Meredith Bagby, this is Isaac Gutierrez. You know me from things like Dramatic Pause, <laughs> Southwestern Live. Uh, I don't remember what else Your I was dreams. in. Your dreams. <laughs> anyway, um, hit me up, girl. <laughs> um, oh, about so we were talking about 
bands and just asking and okay so i built up more of a following oh yeah and you had more content for people to look so at I had more content okay so i what helped me out was that i found bet i could see <laughs> what helped me out was that i found like bands before they made it big so like i got to do an interview with them and then like i think afterwards i would reach out to like bigger bands but they would look at my content and they'd be like oh he interviewed this person like 2 years ago and he interviewed this person oh yeah 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 so like them seeing like me interview like bigger bands but before they were big i think helped me out a whole lot yeah so just ask but yeah just ask ask everything if you want to know something just ask if you want to do something just ask and sometimes they'll say no but like sometimes they'll say yes and you'll be surprised that's worth it. That's great. Beautiful way to end. Everybody rocks. Everybody rocks. That's what uh, the Shady Bug does whenever they're having a bad night and they have to go on stage and they want to cheer themselves up. They just say to each other, everybody rocks. All right, Isaac, thank you for doing this. It'll be $20. I'm going to edit per this minute. down. Nah, man, leave it, leave it raw. No, this is an hour and a half. What? Yeah, that's how long we talked. I had to warm but you up. too, right? What? It, these aren't these aren't two. two no, no, no. That was one. Dang. I am getting, but I wanted it to. <gasps> All right. <gasps> Goodbye. See, I like. I wish that I was more fearless. I wish that I was fearless like Isaac is with the stuff that he does. I mean, like in the creative stuff. I feel like there are other areas of my life that I'm pretty fearless. Um, if you're listening to this right now in the future, like 10 years from when the episode came out or, I don't know, 40 years from when the episode came out, you have come back and you're binge listening all the episodes because like, I'm dead. <laughs> like it's in the news that Taylor Johnson has died. He was eaten by wolves and the whole world is mourning and crying and they're dealing with my death because like everybody knew me and everybody loved me ever since my podcast defeated the Mormon podcast, ever since my podcast became more popular than Mormon podcasts, everyone has just known who I am. And like, so when I died, cause I got eaten by my pet wolves, Everyone is super sad. And so like people are listening to the podcast and you're listening, you know, really far in the future. You should know that right now of this episode, it's uh, during the time of the coronavirus where it's just pip popping its way around the world and pretty wild. And right now, um, if you're listening to this in the present, like during the, you know, the time where the episode originally came out, you're probably practicing some social distancing where you are away from everyone else, not going to school, not going to large gatherings, no concerts, no giant churches, probably. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the coronavirus. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't gotten it yet. Who knows? Maybe I do have it. I'm not just haven't shown symptoms yet. Last weekend, I spent every single day of the weekend in a different airport. I was in DFW, Atlanta, Pensacola, Florida, Minneapolis. I was all over the place. It's coming. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm just waiting for the day. 
And I'm not like mad. I'm not like scared or angry. I'm not excited about it either. I'm not like watching the news like, oh boy, can't wait for me to catch some of that. No, no, no. I'm just kind of like, it's going to happen. I'm pretty sure that's going to be me. So I guess I'm fearless in that way. I don't know. Also on the podcast, we have a story of someone else who had to be fearless. Ooh, how's that for a segue? That that segue is going to hit you in a little bit. When you actually hear this story that the person is going to tell, there's a moment where you realize like, oh, you know what? That was actually a pretty good segue. I have a story from my friend Chandler Wright. Chandler has been a friend of mine for a very long time. She is an improviser in Dallas. And I was so excited to get her on the podcast to share this story of a time where she had to be fearless. I am here with Chandler. Hello, Chandler. How are you doing? Hey, everyone. You have a story that you have told me once, and then I have forced you to tell it, I feel like, a thousand times in a thousand different places, because I love this story so much. <clears throat> yeah. Um, this happened to you when you were in college. Yep. At the gym, like the fitness center at the college. Yeah. And do you would you like go there every day, every week? How often would you go here? Okay, so I think this happened my sophomore year, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So um, I had started to do it frequently. Like I would try to go like three times a week because uh, my sophomore year is when I started to really overload myself and I realized, oh my God, if I, if I don't do something um, proactive for my health, I'm going to lose my mind. And so oh. I was like, I'm going to go to the gym. Oh, even if like, it's oh like, so like you said yes to everything? Yeah, like I said yes to, to just everything. I, I, I put way too much on my plate, you know, like as college students do. So as a stress relief, you go to the gym. Yeah, for like, and it would be at the most random times. Like most of the time it was like 2 p.m. on like a Tuesday in the for like 30 minutes before like my random night class or something. Yeah, and like probably nobody's in there during that time. Yeah, it was like pretty much empty, which was the best part because... When I'm at the gym, I am a different Chandler. What? I'm like... Who are you? I, yeah, I, yeah, I just look mean. Like, if you were to meet me at the gym and then, like, later on see me outside of the gym, you'd be like, I'm not talking to that girl. She's mean. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you, are you, like, super confident in a gym? Like, you know what you're doing? I'm just more like, please, I don't have, my time is precious. Please, nobody mess with me. Nobody talk, like, nobody talk to me. Like, I'll talk to you outside of the gym, but this is my me time. So this is your gym experience. Yeah. Don't want to talk to people. But then one day you go to the gym. How does this specific day that the story takes place, Mm -hmm. how does it like start? Is it like, are you pretty far into your gym before you're interrupted? Yeah, man. I'm like almost done. I like, I'm pretty sure this, it's like, like normal gym day, middle of the week. It was like around two. I know because there was nobody there. And, uh, and yeah, and I remember cause I had had some stuff on my mind. I was like, it probably had, I had just gotten out of class and I was like, okay, I've got just like this amount of time that I can go to the gym and then, you know, whatever, do my, my next thing. Um, all right. So, uh, you're towards the end of your time there. Are you yeah. upstairs? So you're upstairs. Yeah, I'm upstairs. And you know, it's that part, um, where you can do like free weights and like, kind of like do like a hit workout, like where it's like all the, like the, the bounce, the big 
bouncy balls. Yes, 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 yeah. The yoga balls. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yoga balls, whatever they're called. It's like off in the corner, like by the stairs. Yes, which was what that was my like. That's where I lived when I went to the gym. I liked liked it over there. So you're there. So I'm there. I'm sitting on one of those benches where you do like arm curls or whatever, you know? And I'm like, I don't even know what I did that day. I don't know. I don't know the workout, whatever. I know that I'm sitting on one of those benches and throughout my workout, I'm noticing that this, um, there is an older gentleman there. How old do you think? I think that he was in his like maybe 40s, maybe 50s. Okay. Around that. I want him to be so much older. (laughs) You want him to be like 80? Uh, Yeah, I kind of want him to be like 70 years old. Okay, 40s, 50s. And he's, um, would you like me to describe what he looks like? Of course I do. (laughs) He's like short in stature. Uh Uh-huh. And um, bald, which is very important. No, it's not. <laughs> it, has, it has nothing to do with the story. He's bald, though, and um, he has his <laughs> chest to arm ratio is a lot bigger than <laughs> his like, legs. <laughs> he never skips shoulder day. Oh, oh, so like buff shoulders. Yeah, he's like way buffer up top than he is. Like like legs and calves and right. stuff. He okay, just, he's just a very like weird shape, weirdly shaped. <laughs> he's like a T. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a T. <laughs> that sounds like that's like a term. Like, ooh, he is a T. <laughs> oh, he's a T. No, he's like like the 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 letter T. Yeah, yeah. Um, where is he? He's um. Is he in the same general area or is he at another part of the upstairs? <clears throat> uh, like throughout the workout, I, I don't know. I would just like see him out of the corner of my eye every once in a while. And I would like catch him just kind of like out of the corner of my eye, out of my peripherals. I would catch him kind of like looking my way. Oh. And it's not like in a creepy way. Not like he's like checking me out. It's right. just like he would just like look over at me. And there, it, it, looking at it now in retrospect, it's probably because there was not a lot of people in the gym to look at. To... Um, choose from for what he was about to come and ask me to do. Okay, yes, that makes sense. So you think he might be working up the courage? Yeah, that's exactly to it. come He's over. Like waiting. He's not like over there on an elliptical, like licking his lips. And, like, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 at no, no, no. He's not like okay. just. Yeah, no, no, no. It wasn't anything as creepy as it, as it could sound. He's. I think he's just like waiting for the opportune moment to come over there, not to like catch me off guard, but when I look the like. Least busy. Least busy. Yeah, so I'm sitting there cooling down and this guy walks over to me and I'm just like, I will not, I'm not going to look at him. I'm just, I'm going to keep, I'm going to sit here on my phone. I'm going to pretend like I do not see him. And I can see him out of the corner of my eye walking over to me and I'm like, he's, he's literally going to have to stand over me. I'm going to have to feel his breath on my head (laughs) for me to look up at him. Like I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And that's what he does. He comes up and he just stands there over me and um, waits for me to take out my earphones to look at him. So I look up at him and I probably look so annoyed. And he seems like, I don't, he seems like very resolute. Like he's like been thinking about this and he's like decided. Okay. And he's like, Hey, um, and he's nice. He's like respectful and everything. And he's like, uh, you know, I, I need to ask you something. And the way that he builds it up, I'm thinking like, is this man about to ask me to be like 
him and his wife surrogate. <laughs> you seem fit and responsible. Yeah. You think you're like you look like you could push out a baby. Yeah, basically. Like I I'm thinking he's about to give me a sob story. Is he about to come over and say like, "Hey, I have a litter of wiener dogs. <laughs> Would you please adopt one? The runt of the litter." I'm like there's like so many things that are going through my head. Yeah. Like I'm like, you what? look just like my daughter who died in a fire. Right. Like, Please, it, can I just like, like smell your head? And I think like as soon as he says, I need to ask you something, I had already decided whatever this is, I'm going to say yes to it. Really? Yeah. Like I feel like it was just so like in the moment and I'm so like so many thoughts are rushing through my head and he looked so sincere. So it must, it, this must be like the most sincere because like going from I will not talk to anyone. This is my time to being okay with whatever this stranger. Have you ever seen this man on campus before no, this? No, 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 no. I, I, I've never seen him before, like ever. He's not faculty, staff, nothing. Like I, I do not know him. And so you've decided whatever he says, I will say yes. Yeah, because Jim Chandler is not normal, is not real Chandler. It's a facade, okay? Like I feel, yeah, deep down, I'm just a big mushy pickle. <laughs> 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 like, I'm just like, I'm down. I'm down for anything. Like, I'm just like, yeah, anything. Yes, let's do it. Let's have a good time. God, a big, no, a big, I'm a big mushy pickle <laughs> who's down for anything. Um. So he says. So he says, um, I need you to do this thing. Like, help me with this, um, this thing. And I'm like, uh, okay. And he um, hands me this 20 pound medicine ball. And he's like, I'm going to lay down flat on my back. <laughs> and <laughs> you're going to take this medicine ball and heave it onto my stomach as hard as you possibly can 15 times. And, and you say, okay. I said, heck yes. <laughs> I said, sure. Why not? I've got... 10 minutes to spare, nothing better to do. In those no 10 other minutes. explanation about like, Hey, this is a new exercise. I, I need to try. No, nothing. That's, that is what's so crazy. Looking at it now in retrospect, I am like, what? I, I am a 19 year old girl. I have just started really resolutely going to the gym as a practice. And I've never heard of this before in my life. Yeah. And even to this day, I'm, it's not something that I like that gym yeah. gym rats talk about. You've They're never not like, been like walking past people working out and you're like, wait a yeah, second. Yeah, I'm never at like LA Fitness and this guy's like, hey, did you uh, throw a bunch of medicine balls at your stomach until you wanted to cry? Like, that's just not Like a, a whole thing. class of people yeah, doing that. And yeah. It's all 19-year-old girls and like 40-year-old men laying on the ground. You're like, wait, that is a thing. Yeah, instead of like a Zumba class, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope. It's not. It's, I just don't think it's like a super common practice. Also because it's like very violent and obscure and ouch. It just is not ow. So it's when you. Fun. So he lays down. You, so, yeah, so are you down. straddling? Like are you no, standing no, 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 over no. him? No, I'm standing over him like I'm the villain about to win over the like superhero that's just been like almost defeated. Yeah. So like I'm like looking over him. Like I'm, I'm it's power stance. I'm in a power stance. And the first time you throw it, does he like give you the signal? And he's like, now so, <laughs> this is what's so funny. So I've got the medicine ball and I've, and he, so he lays down and um, I'm already thinking this man's life is in my hands. Yeah. Like, He's just laying there so vulnerably and I'm just like standing over him. 
it was it was just a weird time. Anyways, he um he I'm about to throw it, and he goes, oh by the way, um you can't show any fear. What? <laughs> Wait. So he lays down. You're standing over him. Power stands, and he says, by the way, show no fear. Yeah. He goes, you can't show any fear, and I say what? And he goes, yeah. If you hesitate or act nervous at all, it will make me nervous and that could really hurt me. <laughs> don't scare me. Yeah, basically he's saying, don't hesitate, don't show any fear, don't scare me or else my stomach will break in half. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach will break in half. It'll be all your fault. You're, you'll be liable to it. You're telling this to a 19 year old Looking at it now, I'd be like, I'm out, sir. Like, right, yeah. Like, this, I'm. This is too much. Your life is not in my hands. You asked me to do this favor for you. Like, don't tell me that. Show no fear! Yeah. <laughs> but at that moment, 19 year old me is like, oh, God. Like, this is the, this is the biggest service I could do for somebody right now is show no fear and throw this ball on this individual's stomach who I just met five seconds ago. So. So does he so does he give you a signal? Or does he like, all right, show no fear, go for it? Yeah, basically. He doesn't like count down or anything. Um, but do you throw how hard do you throw it? I like hard as heck. On like, your first try? Oh my gosh, yeah, I like keep it. I'm all in. Like all you gotta do is tell me like, hey, this, 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 and this, this is what you do. And I'm like, all right, say no more. Oh man. And so you just like Rah! And right onto his stomach. Yeah, right onto his stomach. Um, what does he do? He makes an ungodly noise. Like it hurts him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, like, and this was like, I did this 15 times. And this Can is why I really- re I want to hear you your version to, like, of the noise. create the noise? Please try. Okay. <laughs> Show no fear. Uh, <sighs> That's probably kind of what it was but maybe a little more intense. I'm like nervous to like, to like do the noise. I feel like it was just like very, it was like a lot more explosive and violent than what I'm making it sound like. Try one more. <clears throat> oh, wow. <laughs> Did that hurt? No. Is, is that bad? No, no, mic? no. Is and that too loud? No, it'll be, I'll be able to fix levels. Okay. Do, are you making a noise when you throw it? Okay, that is what I cannot, I'm like racking my brain thinking about it. I don't know. I don't know if I was just like, hmm. Or like, did I like match his like cadence and <laughs> yeah. rhythm? I don't know. Just I like, you just screaming at each other? <laughs> like I'm like trying to outdo him like, <laughs> with his, my screams. I don't know. Um. I think that when you when you do like a heaving motion, you automatically like, huh. yeah, you know what I mean. So I think I probably was like, eh, or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And are you having to reach down to get it off of his stomach? Mm -hmm. Oh, he's not like so popping like, it back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like pops it back into my hands. Like, no, I wish that would be so impressive. Gosh, no, um, no, I have to reach back down. And so it really like by the time I was done. I was like, I had like reworked up a sweat. Oh, wow. Like it was like intense. Where are you like getting out aggression? Like, is it good oh for you? Oh my gosh, yeah, it was great. Like I would love to do that to like just a big bean bag. Like, <laughs> oh, I just, was hoping another man. It would just, just be a, like, <laughs> yeah. Just like go down the line. It's just like men laying there. Like, <laughs> chuck these balls at them. Uh, 
But it's so funny because it's just like over your head and just as hard as you can. It is such a great stress reliever. Like it's awesome. Um, but so yeah, I do that 15 times. Um, and I don't even remember how we like ended that whole <laughs> shake hands moment. Yeah. What did he just get up and was he like, thanks, here's a gift card to Wendy's. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, see you so next you, time. So I don't the, know. The ending is a blur. Yeah, every yeah, the ending is a total blur. All of this sounds so wrong, and it was like completely innocent. I know that's what I think is. That's what's so strange. <laughs> it is. It like there was no, like never once did I feel creeped out by him. Right. Like ever. Yeah. I've never. I have never been in such a like weird but platonic situation <laughs> in my life. The guy was, You're just a couple of buds, a couple of pals. <laughs> We bonded, yet I never saw him again. If another man at a gym were to come up to you and say, can you do me a favor? And he like pulls out a medicine ball, would you do it again? Absolutely. Because now you can ask him questions and be like, where did you learn this? Why am I doing this? How is this helping you? Like you would get, I would feel like you'd be able to get more answers. Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, I would do it again. Um, and I think that I would say, listen, if, if you get hurt at all by me doing this, like I'm, I'm not liable for any of this. No, like, yeah, you asked for this. Yeah, I would like you make that him, clear. I would like, make that so clear. Look, I'll do this, but you can show. You must show no fear. <laughs> yeah, they're like what? Yeah, yeah. I, as as they're laying down and I've got the ball <laughs> ab above their heads, I I'm like, oh, by the way, show no fear, and then I just like. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm like, and I'm the one that's going to scream. You have to stay. <laughs> you must stay absolute. You go up to somebody at the gym. It's you and them alone. And it's like a 40-year-old man. And you go up and you're like, excuse me, can I throw this medicine ball at your tummy? And they're like, what? And you're like, you must show no fear. <laughs> yeah. And then they're on a podcast. Yeah, this <laughs> girl came up to what me. What a beautiful turn of events that would be. Because like I said, it is seriously super relieving for the person that's like delivering the blows. <laughs> <laughs> for the person that's having to throw the ball, it is seriously so relieving. So if, yeah, if anyone ever was like, hey, we do this, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a pro. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. I'm sorry that I made you remember it, even <clears throat> though you had forgotten, you 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 got to forget about it for a while. No, this was healthy. I needed to do this. Oh, good. Great. Yeah. Uh, now I have this medicine ball and I need <laughs> you to throw it at my stomach. Uh, okay. I need you to throw it at my butt. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> I need butt abs. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. This was fun. All right. Goodbye. Bye. So when I recorded this with Chandler, Isaac was actually in the room with us. He was just sitting quietly in the corner until we stopped recording. We put the mics down and that's when he told us that this is a real exercise and it's something that boxers do to strengthen their core before a fight. So you might have been listening to this whole thing, yelling at your stereo or your headphones, just screaming at us that you knew that this was a real thing, that you've seen this before also, which, okay, great, fine, cool. You, you're, you're, you know more than me. But also, even if this is a real exercise, it's still a pretty weird thing to ask a complete stranger to help you with. 
Because if this is to help prepare for a fight, who was this man going to fight? It must not be in a, a boxing match because if it was, he'd probably have a coach or someone else who could throw a medicine ball at him for him. So maybe he's just going to beat up a random dude. He has a random street fight coming up. This man has no friends. And so he needs to get a random lady from a college that he has no association with to throw this ball at his belly. So even if it is a real thing, that's still a pretty strange thing to do. And it still does not change the fact that I love this story <laughs> because Chandler had to show no fear. That is such a funny thing to say to a stranger. I wish I had more opportunities to say it. Well, and now we have come to the end of the show. I want to thank Isaac Gutierrez for talking to me. If you want to check out his interviews, you can go to bornloser.org or check out his videos on YouTube by searching Born Loser Magazine. He has several interviews and he actually let me do an interview that I was very nervous about, but I think it ended up going pretty well. So you can check out him. You can find him on social media, Born Loser. I also want to thank Chandler for coming on and telling her story. Chandler performs at the Dallas Comedy House with her improv teams, The Retreat, and bubblegum. And so if you're in the Dallas area and you want to check that out, please go see one of her shows. I also want to thank Jordan Combs and Lucky Star for the use of their songs in the episode. I want to thank you for listening and for helping me defeat the Mormon podcast. The way that you can do that is by sharing this with people. Find one, think of one friend who you know has not listened to an episode yet and get them to subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify and you haven't like gone onto the Apple podcast app ever, just go do it right now. Just go, even if you're not going to use the app to listen, go subscribe to the podcast in that app, rate and review it and get one other person that you know to also subscribe and together we can do this. I'll give you an update next week to see if we are one step closer to even doing any, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they're real big. There's a lot more of them than there are of us. So this is going to be pretty difficult, but I think that we can do this. We, we can do this. And if you're listening to this during the time of the coronavirus, where we're having to do some social distancing to slow down the spread of the virus, you're at home, you got nothing to do. Might I suggest that you take up reading? You know that you've been wanting to read more. You know that you should be getting into some more books. If you don't know a good book to read, might I suggest going on Amazon and checking out In the Altogether, Trusting God with All We Hide from the World. That's a book written by Taylor Johnson. Well, that's me. Get the book. Make sure you've listened to every episode of the podcast. Make sure you didn't miss one. And then also, um, if you're bored, you don't have anything else to do. Here's another suggestion that I have. The Popeye movie is on Netflix now. And if you have never seen that, you definitely should because it is absolutely wild. It is Robin Williams' first film. He plays Popeye in a live-action Popeye. And it is a musical. And it's so weird. I used to love it as a kid. I have not watched it as an adult in maybe six or seven years. And I saw it as on Netflix and I feel like I, I need to go back and revisit it because it was such a weird movie. So if you've got nothing else going on, go watch Popeye. Just give, give it a shot. Just see what it's like because it's so weird. But that's it. It's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. I love you very much. Let's 
I love, let's go. We got this. Oh, there's no good ending. Good night.